Good evening. Welcome to the National Library this evening. I can see some lovely familiar faces and lots of new friends as well. My name's Catherine Favell and I'm the director of the library's community outreach program and it's my pleasure to welcome you all here to the library tonight. As we begin, of course, I'd like to acknowledge the traditional owners and the first storytellers of the land on which the library is built. I thank their elders past and present for caring for this land we're now privileged to call home. I'm delighted, but perhaps not at all surprised, that so many of you have come out this evening to hear from one of Australia's best-loved and most versatile actors, Richard Roxburgh. Richard, of course, is a household name for his work in films like Moulin Rouge, Van Helsing and Mission Impossible too. And, in fact, I read today that he shares something in common with, Os with um, not Oscar Wilde, who was the... Come on, you can answer this question for me. Who was the director of Orson Welles? Orson Welles. <laughs> Bizarre fact, they are the only two actors in the world who have played... Sherlock Holmes, Moriarty, and Dracula. <laughs> Who knew? Richard, of course, has been telling us stories for years on stage as a director, as a producer, and now he's channeling his creativity in a new direction, telling us stories on the page. Having always drawn and written stories to entertain himself, he's published his first book for children, Artie and the Grime Wave, and I know you'll be buying it tonight, not just for the children in your lives, but for yourselves, once you've heard him read from it. Joining him this evening is one of our much-loved Canberrans, Triple Six ABC radio presenter, Alan Sloan. Alex Sloan, please wel make welcome Richard and Alex for a wonderful evening. It's wonderful to see you tonight. The National Library staff are slightly in shock. They said, we've never quite seen so many Canberrans turn up half an hour early for an event. <laughs> <laughs> Richard Roxburgh, welcome. Thank you. <laughs> it's, um, it is truly lovely to have you back in town because we count you as one of us. And I know you've had a lunch at the ANU today. What, what's it like being back? Oh, look, I, I absolutely love it. I have such a strong sentimental attachment to the place. Um, I was telling a story today <laughs> about... Because somebody asked, why, why did you come to ANU? You know, because all my brothers went off to Sydney University. And I said, I, I actually remembered that it was because we came here on a school excursion when I think I was in year 10. And Janice Ralston let me put my arm around her. <laughs> uh, and so I have this kind of serotonin-filled, <laughs> completely... And I think of it as a really sexy place, and so I love my Canberra. You actually got, um, we were talking a little bit off air, and you got quite emotional with things about Electric Shadows Bookshop, which is no more. Yeah, um, yeah. Kind of landmarks. What, what have you noticed? As, um, apart from the serotonin kick in. But what, what have I noticed about Well, I suppose what are some other than the emotions of... Oh, look, I mean, well, what, I, what I did love were the things that hadn't changed, obviously, because that's, that's what, how you want your, your, your um, memory place when you go back to it. But, of course, things do change. The, what's, what's great about Canberra is that the changes that have happened seem to be making Canberra uh, uh, better, more livable, so more, you know, um, more impressive, which is a, which is a plus, because you don't want mm. it to go the other way. 
But yeah, I mean, you know, electric shadows and all of these kind of all of these things that were so such important instruments in um, you know filling my head with ideas along the along the years. So many people have memories of you and love to tell stories about you. I hope you know that this no, is Canberra dinner, dinner party. Ah, really? <laughs> they're all good. Uh, they're all fun. Are you they're sure all lovable. they're all good? <laughs> <laughs> well, they're lovable. Um, let's say that. Um, this, this is a beautiful and very funny book and full of love, actually. But this, you started out because you ran out of stories, in a way, to, to read to your two sons. Well, I probably didn't run out of stories, um, but I, I, I just, um, I, I was just kind of full of the love of stories from reading bedtime stories to my nine-year-old, my six-year-old. And there's this moment when the, there's a crossover in particular the sense of humour of an, of an adult and that of a, of a, a growing child. Um, so that you, you as the parent, are, are almost as excited to get back to bedtime the next night so that you can see what happens in the next chapter. And I was getting to this point where I was laughing as much as, as my boys were, were, and I just dearly loved that thing. And I, I, I guess I thought, look, I'd, I'd, I, I mean, you know, I, yeah, I wanted to um, write something just for the love of, of the fun of it and the adventure of it. You've gone then to your own rich childhood as a as a partly a source for this. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of Aubrey Wodonga in there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's a, it's an un, unnamed town uh, with uh, <laughs> with a river flowing through it, and um, uh, but there's also you know there's also and this was fabulous today because one of the guys who who was at the the lunch today came up and introduced himself and said that he he had been taught by the character in my book here because one of the main characters in, in my book, um, one of the most colourful characters, is Auntie Boy, who I, I think I describe as looking like somebody's balloon collection. Uh, so she's this kind of incredibly... And, and she was... But she was a very eccentric, very eccentric um, individual who lived one block from my high school and she she used to kind of bail up all of my adolescent friends and clack her dentures out at them and speak <laughs> in rhymes and do little jigs and and <laughs> so there's I, I thought <laughs> I thought that was too good to not put in there as well so she's well and truly in there how, how did your friend or the person you knew from school remember her today well he was taught he he was taught piano by her <laughs> So uh, he remembered vividly. I forgot to ask him about the, the fossilised lollies because um, <laughs> Auntie used to, Auntie Boy used to uh, favour the, the dry wash, which, was, um, which essentially just involved talcum powder at nights uh, <laughs> for, for uh, quite a few decades. And <laughs> so... Her house had a sort of really liberal coating of powder about that deep <laughs> in the corners. And so you'd sort of waft through the house and clouds of talc would come up. And, um, but so, and she would always offer lollies. And I forgot to ask uh, uh, my, my friend today whether he, he was uh, ever offered lollies. But they were kind of fossilised. They tended to be sort of fossilised 
things that, because, you know, she would gather a lot over the decades and they would be coated also in baby powder. Um, so she was quite a figure in my life. Was she called Auntie Boy? We called her Auntie Boy, yeah. I don't know why. And that's, you know, that's there as well. And she was an enigma. Um, mm. there, was, there was a lot that was unexplained about her. With it. There, was, there was a theory that she'd had um, a, a fiancé who was, who was a German who, guy who went off to fight for, for Hitler. Um, thought that was a good idea. So... <laughs> Um, so there was some, you know, possibly some hint of tragedy in that okay. life as well, which, you know, you want to um, hint at. When, when you um, were writing the story, did you kind of settle on her as one of the, the great heroes of the, of the piece? Is that, tell us how you, how you got there. Yeah, well, I think I had to make her, I mean, you have to make her a, a hero and an unexpected one. Uh, so there is, there's a sort of, there's, there's twists with Auntie Boy who, who pops up throughout uh, yeah, in the way that she used to pop up. Um, <laughs> Richard's probably terrified I'm going to give away the ending of the story. I am not going to give away the ending of the story. You, you need to, to uh, <laughs> read the book. <laughs> but uh, we were talking today about this too. It is a story about two boys, Artie and Bumshu. They're both 12 and they're uh, on big adventures. They're out there on their own. And this is part of the reason too you wanted to write this. Tell us about that. Yeah, look, um, I mean, I, I, when, I was, when I was the age that my boys are at now, I, was, I loved adventure stories. I loved the idea of adventure. Um, and, you know, we lived on near the, the Murray River, which at full spate was a beast of a thing. Um, and it, so it was a fantastic place for adventure. And although I was on the Hume Highway, um, it was in close proximity to, to nature at all times. So you could just jump on your bike and you were there. And it was beautiful in that sense. And, and so we were always having adventure. And it didn't have to be anything kind of as extreme as you know, what happens <laughs> in the book. But um, it was important. Mm. And it, it laid a lot of um, the scaffolding, I guess, of in, in place for the person that I... Came and a, a sense of adventure that I've always had. I suppose including the idea of, oh, well, I'll, why, no, I'll write a book. I'm going to write a book, a kid's book. Why not? Mm. So I suppose I wanted to prosecute the case for adventure in kids' lives. Because thinking about it, you're, I mean, you're between the Hume Highway and a, a river, so between squashed by a truck and yeah. swallowed up by a river. These, yeah. are, these are not safe places for kids, but you were one of six and out you went. Yeah. Yes, the youngest of six. And I do, I do tell this, the story that, you know, there's, there's so much documentation, there's so much kind of um, photographs of my older brothers and sisters, thousands of them, uh, <laughs> and no visual documentation <laughs> of my having existed before, I think, a graduation shot of me at, at school. Um, so it was a bit of a free-for-all at my end of the family. It was a bit like, you know. So, yes. So it was, was a very, um, you know, and the stories that I loved were the kind of Huck Finns and the, all that stuff. Mm, right on a river there. Exactly, yeah. the Mississippi in Albury-Wodonga. So <laughs> I... There's I, a pedal steamer. Yeah, there is, there is. Uh, I think that's a Chinese restaurant or something, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> but, um, 
Yes. So I, I, want, I wanted to... Because, the, look, there's a, there's a strong sense now, and there's so much fear. Everything's fear. It's all fear. It's all... Uh, and I think it's crazy. I think it's mad, and it's so encroaching, and it's all encompassing, and it's everywhere, and it's, it's, this is going to happen, and if that doesn't happen, then this will happen. And it's a strange environment to live in. And social media and everything else is feeding it so incessantly all the time and stoking it. And I, so I, I guess I kind of wanted to sell a thing to kids of, you know, no screens, uh, get outside, get outside um, and have some adventures uh, instead. Because, um, you know, I... I, I I think that uh, you know. I th I, th I think that the that the whole fear thing, the fear that the fears that we're encouraged to live under is is unhelpful in this life. So, are you applying this to your own boys? Well, yeah, I try to. I mean, look, it's not easy, and we've talked a bit about this today. It's really quite hard, and it is. You know, it's naturally scary. It's, it's always been scary, I'm mm. sure, being a parent. But I do try to. I mean, I'm a kind of we're terrible parents. Uh, um, so s kind of strict about the screen thing. So our kids get one half an hour a week and <laughs> strict, strict, really strict. And I'll tell you why. Because um, we went to, we went on a holiday, a family holiday. We had, hadn't had a holiday for ages. We went on a family holiday to Fiji and we landed there. And we're, you know, there's nothing to do at this place. It's just sort of coconut trees and water. And my boy was kind of, okay, where's, can I have the iPad? Where's the iPad? You've got the iPad? You've got the iPad? You've got your phone? You've got your phone? <laughs> and I was like, well, mate, no, we're, that's none of, none of that's happening here. We're, this, is, this is about this. And he was like, no, 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 come on, come on, come on. And then we found he was kind of nicking our phones and <laughs> pretending to read a book and had... <laughs> the phone in there and it's like this and and you know I'd grabbed the book and he was sprung and and then I started looking at these because he didn't have unfettered access but he was kind of able to download free games or whatever and I hated I looked at all these games and I just thought Do you know what I think it's a whole lot of bullshit I really think it is a terrible lot of malarkey and I'm going to offend Heaps of people, I'm sure, but uh, even the kind of so-called creative games like Minecraft, I think it's still finally, it's still this. And although there is wonderful things within that, I think it encourages impatience and a lack of a sense of being where you are in the moment. And so I'm trying to instill that. So that was a very long-winded way of saying, yes, I do, we do enforce it. <laughs> I actually went to a school night where they talked about kids' screen time and I looked around the hall and every parent was on their, mm. <laughs> their yeah. phone and yeah. I thought... Well, that's hard too, because yeah. I do too. I mean, of course you do. I've, I've, got a, I've got emails and stuff too. But it's almost like I reckon there'll come a time when it's like, uh, you know, oh, please, you know, can you go and do that in the in the privacy of your own <laughs> room. So it'd be like going to the toilet, pulling out your phone in front of somebody because it, I think we haven't yet established the social niceties and norms of this stuff. And I, 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 look, 
my essential thing is I don't feel like we're on top of what all of that media is doing to our kids' brains. And so I'm not comfortable as a parent saying, that's fine, use my kids as a petri dish for your experimentation and we'll just float the boat and see what happens in terms of mental health down the track. Are you going to stand out as a parent Probably, amongst your kids? Probably, yeah. You'll be so the weird Roxburgh The weird old Roxburgh that family. Boy. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I'll be clacking my dentures out at all of them <laughs> with their screens. Yeah. Good on you. Oh, yeah, offering them fossilised lollies. <laughs> I don't care. I mean, you know, of course yeah. the half hour blows out every week into an hour. We're not kind of, you know, like that. But, <laughs> but I think it's mm. a structure. Tell us about Artie. We can see him there in the yellow. Poor little yeah. Artie. He's, um, he's up against it, isn't he? His, his dad's dead. His mum's in a really bad way and his sister's angry. Yes. Uh, but it's comedy, essentially. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I thought, you know, I, I thought it was really important uh, that, that my, my boy have, have a difficult life. Because... Frankly, because I, you know, I see kids who do have difficult lives and I wanted to, I guess, write something for, for them in a way as well and say, um, you know, that there is a, there's terrible adversity in life and that um, by finding your way through terrible adventures, by, by pushing yourself and pushing yourself uh, to to uh, find unexpected strength within yourself is a good thing, and that's how you um, you vanquish your you know your fears, and that's how you get yourself to a better place. So I, I wanted to kind of tell that mm -hmm. story. You you've also um, included a bit of mushy love stuff in here with the next door neighbours, the unpronounceable Enkos. Mm. There's a a lovely storyline there. How did your boys respond to that? Because you've, you've read this story to them along the way as, a, as test cases. How did they go with the mushy love stuff? Uh, oh, look, my, my oldest boy, who's kind of... Um, he's nine. He's, he, they're, they're, they, they, they quite like it because I think it's where they're at, where, you know, girls are kind of... They know they like that, but they don't know how or what you're supposed to, <laughs> you know, but it's, you know... So they're there. They're right there with that, yeah. And the unpronounceable Enkos, in fact, you can do the pronunciation of this lovely next oh, door family. Oh, that's a Klinanius Tsekmistrenkos, yeah. <laughs> Although, uh, <laughs> we had, there was this Russian woman who, any Russians here tonight? Or Ukrainians? Are you? Oh, no. Well, uh, forgive me. Please. Uh, but... Yes, yeah, so there was a Russian woman who lined up in line <laughs> in Perth uh, who's, who seemed to just be there and she plonked a book down rather angrily to, to be signed <laughs> and said, um, Borsh is not purple <laughs> and Zatsiklinani at Sekmistrenko is not a Ukrainian name. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. Uh, yeah, so uh, I, I, saw, I mean, I, I looked it up in a Ukrainian phone book but um, <laughs> but I obviously, I don't know, <laughs> maybe I 
Yes, I got it wrong somehow, so forgive me, uh, won't you? But I did think Borscht was kind of purple. It's made out of beetroots. It's reddish purple. She, didn't, she really didn't like the purple, um, <laughs> but anyway. Next edition. Yeah, <laughs> purpley red. But I was saying today, to, saying today, it's kind of a nice picture of multicultural Australia, the inclusion, that those characters. Tell, tell us, and that's important to you. Well, I just think it's mad not to uh, have, you know, a bit of that sort of colour and movement because that's, the, that's where we are. I mean, uh, and it's also, you know, when I was growing up, um, there were the, my, my primary school, I don't know why, but there was a whole stack of Yugoslav, the former Yugoslavian kids who arrived at a certain point. And I was obsessed with their culture. I've, I've always loved and been very attracted to otherness. To, and I was very especially attracted to Eastern European culture. And so I was kind of speaking passable um, Ukrainian swearing and um, <laughs> counting and so on with my friends at primary school and, and loved what they ha had in their lunch boxes, you know, <laughs> um, whipping out a sort of sausage and a shepherd's knife and, you know, <laughs> it was just great. So I always just was really attracted to that, the exotic, you know, thing of it. So it's got a little place in there as well. Mm. And, and for your boys too, was that important? You know, they've got a multicultural family, for instance, so... Yeah, and look, there's also in in the in the um, in the at the heart of the unpronounceable encos, there's also a, a, a little bit of a love love note to my wife's Italian family, uh, to the uh, to the kind of mad, chaotic, noisy uh, thing going on in that Italian house at Christmas times. Um, so yeah, there's there's quite a there's quite a a note of that in there. <laughs> and the, I mean, they get into a real scrape and probably if people are looking, I'm, I'm just wondering if Mayor Grime is the closest that comes to Roger Rogerson. Um, <laughs> I don't know if Roger's ever been accused of can cannibalism, but um, <laughs> like it's a, I just was, you know, taking a stab. But mm. Mm. Um, well, I don't know about that, but um, I think... Uh, Working on creating, because I, I really wanted a very colourful array of bad dudes in the story. Uh, and so working them up from the ground, I had so much fun with that. Their physicality and the way that they spoke and so on. And, and there, was, there, was a, there was a part of that work that was very similar to acting work. Because you... You know, you, you're dealing with all the same stuff. Like, how does he speak? How would he say that? When he, he, who, what would he say? And um, so, all those choices about sort of the weight of the character and the voice and so on was was a very informed, I think, perhaps by acting work and definitely the dialogue too. Just the, you know. Was this a good place to get you to read a little? Sure. Right sure. on cue. Yes. Um, that's a bit I've chosen, but I'd love you to choose some other pieces too. Um, okay. Do you want me to read that piece first or this piece here? You do whatever you like. Uh, you wrote the book. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this, is a, this is a chapter called The Statue. So, Artie, my, my boys have been uh, captured by the very bad gang of guys. 
And there's two in particular called Funnel Web and Mary. Mary is called Mary. Mary is <laughs> that guy there who is gigantic and bald and terrifying with tattoos all over his face. But he's, his tattoos say, eat, drink and be Mary <laughs> for Tamara we die. So he has two girls' names and on his how face. How does his um, motorbike sound? Because that's quite big. But, 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 but yeah. 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 So it's a Harley. I was modelling it on a Harley. You know how they have that. Yeah, yeah, I just, yeah. I needed you to yeah. vocalise it for me. The statue. The terrified <laughs> boys were dragged by Mary and Funnelweb back down the long hallway towards the grand entrance foyer. Up ahead, they could hear the noises of all the animals in cages. The boys were still tied back to back and had to shuffle in an awkward crab-like way. Artie gazed miserably up at the passing parade of grime family ancestors with their hard little eyes. He longed to be able to see his friend's face. Bumshoe will have an idea any second, he thought. Bumshoe always has an idea. Artie li listened in growing distress as the two robbers planned the boy's grisly fate. Right, we'll clean and gut them out the back of the kitchen where we do the bigger pets, <laughs> said Mary. Then I'll do the butchering because you're not much chop with that, pardon the pun, <laughs> he chuckled. Yeah, all right, all right, replied Funnelweb, who sounded slightly wounded. Sorry, didn't mean to be rude, explained Mary. I just think you're much better with the smaller pets. I mean, you did a terrific job with those hamsters, for instance. <laughs> think so, replied Funnelweb. Absolutely first rate, my friend, said Mary. Now, I'm thinking I might do a nice French-trimmed rib roast. <laughs> oh, lovely, lovely, said Funnelweb, just lovely. And I know the boss suggested rosemary or thyme, but I'm really thinking sage will be the go. <coughs> Oh, a bit risky, don't you think? Funnelweb said with a fretful note, Trust me, once he tasted, he'll love it. It was the same with kittens in oregano. <laughs> Thank you. And my question to Richard when he read that this afternoon, I said, oh, your boys, they just, you know, they must think themselves so lucky that you have a dad that reads you bedtime stories like that, but you said no. Nah. Well, no, I think they take the whole thing completely for granted. Then, so, uh, <laughs> yeah. You're going to read a little bit more. I was going to ask you to read Mrs. Grimes, but you've just done the audio book for this and you say... Oh, Mrs. Grimes is a real sort of... Uh, she's a, Yeah, she's a festival for the tonsils doing her voice. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I don't know about that. Um, but we'll go perhaps to your... Art appreciation uh, oh, yes. lesson, which... Oh, do you want to do that now? Oh, well. Okay. We're uh, on a roll. So this is shortly after. Um, the boys were dragged through the ghastly sculptures and pianos that ring... and paintings that ring the foyer. The two robbers came to an abrupt halt. What the blue blazes is that? cried Mary. Artie craned his head to see what they were looking at, but the men blocked his view. When did this thing arrive? the tattooed man asked. No idea, said Funnelweb. Well, the boss must have organised it. Or more likely Mrs Grime, whispered Mary. Yes, it's definitely more Mrs Grime's aesthetic. <laughs> there was a moment of silence. It's a terribly ugly work, <laughs> he continued thoughtfully. I mean, it has none of the neoclassical charm that it so stridently <laughs> aims for. I'm afraid I don't agree, said Funnelweb. It's perhaps a tad confused. 
But the artist's sense of line, the composition of the forms is very powerful, don't you find? One can't remain unmoved by it. Not in the least, argued Mary with a head shake. It has pretensions far beyond its limitations. On the one hand, it beckons the classical, and on the other, it's striving for the postmodern and failing at all quarters. Well, said Funnelweb tersely, to be fair, when it comes to art, I've probably got a bit more of a clue. What's that supposed to mean? snapped Mary. I was the one who studied art. Just because you studied it doesn't mean you understand it, growled the big man. I had a very promising career as an artist, I'll have you know, said Funnelweb. Until your promising career as a house burglar got in the way, <laughs> said Mary. <laughs> I don't know how you follow up from that. But look, I don't want to give away the ending. It, it, it rollicks on. You have a sort of range of characters. And, um, and it has a big heart, doesn't it? Because I suppose Artie's family, there's kind of a... Were, were you looking for kind of messages or you just wanted the story to unfold? I guess I just wanted the story to unfold. I, I mean, I, I, you know, it's a story of triumph over adversity. Um, but it's also a story of family. And so there's a sense of, at the beginning, that there's something really broken, something wrong. Mm. And, you know, I mean, this happens to many families. Um, and, in fact, it, you know, it, it happened while I was writing it to... You know, some families in my boy at my boy's school, and you just think, oh my god, you know, it's it's just it's terrible what some kids have to go through in this life. So um, yeah, so I, I wanted, uh, you know, I wanted him to prevail, and I wanted things to, uh, you know, to to go right. If we can talk about, I mean, because you've illustrated this too, and I had people texting in t today to kind of say how jealous they were of a kind of, you know, all these talents. <laughs> well, I mean, have they seen the illustrations? They're, <laughs> They're terrific. I mean... Uh, They're terrific. The and apparently my copy doesn't even have the... No, yours haven't got... And the grayscale doesn't really work in yours either. You've got <laughs> I don't a, love them you've got all a proof, the same. proof copy. But... Um, Look, the illustrations are, you know, they're doodle. They're, they're not high art. And, um, and they have, they've always been like that. That's the, I've always done those, just those little doodly things. There's um, Auntie Boy. I mean... Yeah, yes. <laughs> very much, yes. It's a very characteristic pose. So you have you... <laughs> have, <laughs> have you all... Did you draw all the way through school? Yeah, yes. Uh, so, there, yeah, there was a lot of that. I mean, I was a really bored and terrible student at school um, because, you know, my, my school was very... It was, it was a terrific school very for a, for a country mm. school at the time. It was a fantastic school, Aubrey High. But very sort of science and maths oriented and, you know, all my, my, my family had been... had excelled in that and I was just obviously rubbish at it and so all none of the teachers could understand because they had a sort of paradigm to go with and I was just clearly um, sat right outside it and I wasn't you know so consequently I must, wasn't much good at any, you know anything at, um, at school so uh, yeah so it was very difficult to, to, <laughs> to know what to do with me and I think I was a pest to all my teachers so um, and I feel like I, I have so many apologies to give to them uh, along the way because I know how hard it is teaching 
Um, but yes, drawing was a thing. So were you, were you a real black sheep in the family in terms of not loving school, not being a good student, not? Oh, look, I don't know if I was a black sheep. I mean, I was probably, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I think it was probably a black sheep in Albury Wodonga. Um, <laughs> If not sort of outlying areas, <laughs> I, I think I just, I was some sort of a sheep and uh, and it was very hard for anybody to figure out what to do with me and I, and, and I think it was hard for me to figure out what to do with myself as well. Um, so You had a launch in Albury and the school band played, is that right? No, I wasn't in Albury, it was, in, was up where we live, but yeah, but my boy's band played. <laughs> my launch which is cute. But, but you talked about being you know really relating to the outsider do you think in a way if you you know you made that joke about no photos of you as a child and all that sort of thing that you know always the last child says but was there kind of uh, is that part of perhaps this story Artie's story yeah I mean absolutely I think you the great thing about any adversity you do have in your life, and I think all of us have, I mean, all of us do have it in varying degrees, um, but all of that stuff, any bullying stuff, any adversity, any shit and rubbish that happens in, in life um, can be steered in some way to, you know, to mm. so they become your steps, so they become the things that you, you tread on to get you up elsewhere. And enrolling in ec economics at ANU, your dad was an accountant, was that kind of no, an attempt at belonging? Look, no, it wasn't. It was just because I just had no idea what, I mean, and I just, I suppose I thought I, I wanted to do something sensible, you know, like my brothers had done sensible things and so <laughs> I wanted to do something sensible and not kind of disgrace the team completely. So, and, and I hadn't done economics at school, so... <laughs> <laughs> I, so you know, I didn't know that I that that I w I didn't know for a fact that I hated that <laughs> until I got here <laughs> and did three years of it. Yeah. And you've been very loving about Canberra. You applied for NIDA and you got <laughs> it on the second go. To, when, yeah. when did you know acting? When when did that kick in? At school? Oh uh, yeah. Look, I did <laughs> I did a um, what. Well, was probably a hilarious production of Death of a Salesman at high school. Uh, and um, it, but it was, it was, had an extraordinary impact on me because I went there for that role when I was, so I was playing Willie Loman, who, you, you know, and I don't know if you know the story, but it's the most beautiful play. It's, my, it's still my favourite play in, in the world. And it's about the kind of death, it's the sad, it's the terrible sadness and perpetuating sadness of the American um, dream and the American, um, you know, the big sale. Uh, and I just loved it. So I was obsessed with it and obsessed with getting under the skin of this incredibly complex man. And I just devoted myself to it. I studied it and studied it and studied it all summer. Uh, and I wanted so much to to mm. get it right in some way. And as funny as it may have been, there was just a, there, I, I remember there was a moment when I I was doing the thing in the Albury Civic Theatre, and my <laughs> my mate Nick Megalarkis was playing Hap Happy uh, Happy uh, or Biff, I think. Uh, no, he was Biff actually. 
Uh, and I was hurling a chair at him and cursing him, and I was, I was, I, I went there. I, I felt like I. You knew it. I, I was Willie, and it was as bizarre as it sounds. I, I, I inhabited, and something happened. So that was the moment. That was the moment, and I thought, wow, I, something happened. Then why not take that determined path? Why go via economics? <laughs> <laughs> because I, I guess there was no, because there was just no model for okay. it, Alex. I, th I suppose yeah. I just thought, I, I can't. And, and, you know, I talked, I can remember talking to mum about it. And, we, and so the plan was you do something so that you got, yeah, that, that famous thing, you got something to fall back on. <laughs> because your mum was really creative, is really creative. Yeah, yeah. mum was was yeah. a was yeah. an incredibly creative, um, probably very frustrating, very, very frustrated, mm. very creative person. So I was surrounded by you know, well, her creativity mm. growing up across a huge cross section of things, really weird lunches with homemade sort of dark rye breads and s weird spreads and things <laughs> that. And wearing jumpers with, you know, ma that she'd sort of spun the wool and we dyed it with sp different varieties of gum leaves and, you know, <laughs> amazing. I mean, amazing. Was Auntie Boy that side of the family or the... No, no, she was... She the was other side? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so once you were determined on the path mm. and you had... It was the second round, wasn't it, that you got into the Yes, yeah. yeah. But you were absolutely... That was it? Nothing was after stop you. after I I I I mean I I I, <laughs> I, I got a recall because um, I was here I think in my final year and I was doing theatre here and it was I was loving it and and doing a lot of it and I was sort of you know I doing productions of weird plays like Marat Saad and casting all my crazy friends in it who were sort of variously not turning up and, you know, this one's drunk and that one's... Any here tonight? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I didn't, so I didn't get in the first time, but I was determined after the first o audition. So he, I, got re I got recalled and my, but the voice teacher who was there on that day um, came up to me afterwards and said, look, they've decided to recall you. Um, I don't think they should have. <laughs> um, it cer certainly was not the best Hamlet I've ever seen, but it was the loudest. <laughs> and so I was like, oh, all right. Uh, so that didn't instill me with a huge amount of confidence for my recall. Um, but it did, but just the feeling of it and the feeling that I'd got within a whisker's breadth of it um, yeah. fed my... What would you say to the the young Richard today? Who's oh. how, how would how should they do it? Should they go via NIDA or if, what would you or go and read books or what what would you advise? Um, I don't think there's. I mean, I don't think that going back retrospect. I mean, of course, you, you you're mad if you live a life and you don't have regret. I think that's insane, and anybody who who can sort of say that is a bit nutty because of course I have regrets I have some terrible regrets but in a broad sense of a way to lead a life I don't think you can second guess that or or judge it um, in hindsight because that's 
that's the truth of it, and you've only discovered yourself now by way of that. Um, so there are, there are individual choices along the way that I, w I would have said, okay, you didn't need to do that, you know. Um, but as a, as a, you know, as a, in a broad sense, I think it is what it is, and, it, and I could only have arrived here b because mm. of, of each of those things. What, what do you hope for your kids and, and the way that you're raising them in terms of the big wide world and being what they want to be? Importantly, that they do something that they love. Um, and look, it, you know, I, I know people have to make practical choices in this life. That's a fact and it's a given and it's an understandable one. And there's all kinds of pressures. There's, there's pecuniary pressures, there's environmental pressures, there's the, cho the, there's the options that you're given mm. as a person as well. And some kids just don't... I mean, you know, the statistics today about... Uh, yesterday in the paper about poverty... In this day and age, I mean, I just, uh, I couldn't, you know. It's anti-poverty weekend. But, yeah. um, you know, I just, uh, I, I hope that my kids will um, be kind and um, that they'll do things that they love and that they'll work hard because finally it's just work. It's just, you know, yeah. working hard at stuff. Well, signs are good because you're saying how tolerant they were of you. Of my incompetence <laughs> at, as, as a father. Yes, that's right. The signs of kindness. Yeah. Well, no, I was, uh, I was also <laughs> no I, was, I was just telling Alex <laughs> a story because my wife's been doing an opera in Queensland for, for two, two months, which is a long time. And we don't have help at home, you know. So it's just either her or me or us together or whatever. And we're always having to, you know, she's racing in the door, I'm out. And so she was up there for two months and I, there was <laughs> just this moment where, I, a night where I sat down with my boys and said, boys, <laughs> I am so sorry uh, that daddy lost his shit this morning. <laughs> uh, he's terribly disorganised. Daddy is ter terribly disorganised man, as you know, and, and I, I'm so sorry for losing it and it wasn't either of your fault it was it was me and you know and I said I look it's just because I'm disorganized so I get I do get stressed out by that mummy you know mama is from northern Italy <laughs> which is basically Germany <laughs> so mama is really German and she's really great at this stuff you know and so I hope you Forgive me. And they were so great because they were like, oh, no, Dad, you're doing a good job. <laughs> good job. Good job, you. So the they kindness were very, is there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do you, do you like, how, how great is it being a parent? Oh, it's the, I mean, it's, uh, there's, there's nothing that uh, holds a candle to it um, in, in across the, the spectrum of my life in terms of, the uh, you know deep pleasure that it's that it's given me and a sense of um, place that it's given me. Mm. So yeah, and of course then it's a, an absolute nightmare as well. <laughs> I mean, there's no doubt about that. Mainly when they're fighting amongst themselves, that drives me insane. But as a as a thing, it's a thing of uh, very great, inestimable beauty. Mm.
So I'll probably open it up to questions. I'm sure there's lots of questions um, to come from the floor. So we'll get a get a microphone to you. Um, what's in terms of your <laughs> creative life? So what have you, what have you loved most? Because you've also directed Romulus, my father as well, and staged. Mm. What's what's given you the most pleasure? I think I really I, what what gives me the most pleasure is having the privilege, and it is a privilege, to be able to mix it up, to be able to change it, to be able to say, I'd, I'd love to go back and do some theatre next year, or you know, and um, to be able to exercise different muscles in my brain uh, is, is a great privilege. Mm. So I've, I love that. I love changing things up. I never thought I would be able to write something um, because I'd, I'd always found it, you know, because I've flitted around the periphery of the written word my whole life because it's, you know, it's what you, you obviously do as an actor. And, uh, um, and so friends, you know, I'd say to my writer friends, you know, can you, why don't you write that I've got this great idea? And they were always like, well, you run along and write that <laughs> down. And I was like, oh. Um, so I couldn't really do it. I found it too, because I think I'm very collaborative. Whereas with the kids' book, I, I, I felt that I had a strong sense of purpose because I wanted to do it so much for my, for my boys. Um, but also in a weird way, I felt like the characters were dragging me through it. So they were my, um, my co-collaborators. Once they got a voice, it was pretty fantastic. I really did love that. Well, Bumshoe's adorable. Bumshoe, yeah. Bumshoe's. We, yeah. need, we all need a friend like Bumshoe. Um, so it's really... So more books? Be yeah, yeah. There's a, yeah. I'm sort of fiddling away with one at the moment. Mm. Um, unrelated so far. Mm. And, yeah. and Canberra's slightly excited that Cleaver's heading to the Senate. Yes. <laughs> He's here. Thank you. Thank you. Well... Um, Cleaver's very excited, obviously, <laughs> uh, and so am I, um, because the idea of, I mean, I was, can't tell you how excited I was to come down just to film a bit of rake down here um, in my old stamping ground. It was, it just felt so great, um, but yes, we'll be, we'll be here next year for a, at least a little period of time. And there's quite a bit of material for writers to work with. Um, in the Senate. In the Senate, oh. and... <laughs> Do you think? I mean, <laughs> it's it's uh, yeah, it's it's extraordinary. I mean, I was saying to to Alex today, we're just we're we're just sort of stumbling along, trying to keep up with reality these days. <laughs> because the, you know they're way ahead in the distance. Um, yeah. So, if you could raise your hands, um, I would love you to um, to ask Richard some questions this evening. So don't be shy. I'm 